right, so this thing I would like to talk to you about today is really a bit unbelievable. Unbelievable. Yes, because mm. we have such tight security when we travel now. Mm -hmm. So you're almost not going to believe that this happened to me. Okay. Because it would never happen now. And I would also like to say that I'm throwing my intellect under the bus a little bit oh, now now you got me <laughs> okay here we go <laughs> so horrible so in my consulting years i traveled so many so many times mm -hmm. so many times i got to the airport and i mean steve i'm sorry i'm still even just you don't even know what i'm gonna say and i'm like shocked myself i'm flying to canada to canada uh-huh and i forget my license uh-huh at the airport Okay, and I just beg the lady. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where you're going with this. Can I, can I go anyway? Yeah. And they, this is before 9-11. I mean, like, we're talking yeah. way back. Mm -hmm. I, I'm, they, let me, they let me through yeah. without a license. So no ID. I just swear it's me. Are you, like, scared they're going to come get you <laughs> no, that, since but you're sharing this? I think, no, this is what, <laughs> No. But what we didn't think through was, would the person on the other end be as generous? Uh-huh. If you could get back in. In another country. Yeah. Duh. I mean, I felt like that was like <laughs> so stupid to not think through. So I get through. Uh -huh. I fly from, I think, Texas. Yeah. I, even as so, I say, yes, I'm Sunday. And they're like, you sure? <laughs> <laughs> I fly to Canada. I do my, my gig. I go to the airport and they say, where's your ID? And I go, oh, I, I left my ID at home, but that's okay because the people, <laughs> because confidently, of course I say this, Yeah. because the people in Texas told me it's, you know, it the, doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Mm. They just let me get on the plane and they let it slide. So he goes, it's not a big deal. Well, just because they said yes, doesn't mean that we're going to say yes. And I was like, oh. <laughs> I did that zoop thing we yeah. talked about with Cynthia. I was yeah. like, what? Yeah. <laughs> oh, why not? Because because you're not a Canadian. Like the, we're talking like Canadian versus US and you don't even have a license. Yeah. I mean, I was like, whoa. So they pull me. I mean, they like pull me out of the line uh -huh. and they start questioning me. But here's the deal. Okay, so if my father, if we could interview my father, he would testify for this. So <laughs> Sunday is amazing in her lanes and really not amazing in her other lanes. Okay, <laughs> so take, for instance, geography. Uh-huh. My dad hung a map on the wall constantly because none of us girls were good at geography. I never could remember where anything was, ever. <laughs> my dad was brilliant and he was always like, it's here, it's here, it's here. So the other thing I was really bad at was history. Uh -huh. <laughs> so what do you think he did to me? He tried to grill me on U.S. history. Oh, no. Oh, my God. It couldn't have been the worst. And I, and of course, you know my first date. I'm sensing a new greenhouse <laughs> team activity. So he, I don't even remember all the questions, but one of them I'm going to tell you, and I'm going to, this is the throwing myself under the bus, but uh -huh. I answered so many U.S history questions wrong that and this guy i have to say steve 
jerk aroni. Yeah. Jerk. He was enjoying so much that oh, yeah. I was an idiot. <laughs> yes. And he was like, he was like, you mean to tell me that you live in the United States? And he goes, immigrants who are trying to become citizens in the United States know the answers to these questions. And I was like, yeah. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I just, I never was really good at it. So I was like <laughs> apologizing to, is this the, he made me, oh, I was sweating. Yeah. But anyways, he asked me how many um, stars were, uh, uh, how many colonies there were. Uh-huh. Do you know how many colonies there were? <laughs> 13. I didn't. <laughs> In your defense, though, you're from the great country of Texas. Yeah. Not the U.S. Yeah. Totally was, different. Actually, I'm from New York. I was just living <laughs> I was in trying Texas. to give you the out there. <laughs> I was mortified. No, I we feel could you. say, no, I, I know you. now. And I I will say that he was, it was like being interrogated. Yeah. And I couldn't even remember like what color something was. I'm with you. Thank yes. you for defending me. When you, when you get, when you get me around oh. like trivia people or movie quote people and they, and since you can't get the first one, they throw more at you because oh. they're like trying to it was get, going get to where you get one. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to get any of these. Yeah. I'm not a fact memorizing person. And he was so intimidating. So obviously, I mean, I did get on the plane, but what did it was tears. I, he broke me down into like, this is what you always hate with like, when we get pulled over sometimes. Uh-huh. And I was in tears. I was like, I all I can say <laughs> is that I promise you that I'm like, and I, I mean, I was just like, listen, I know there's 13 colonies, and I know it just was like the most innocent. I swear, he looked at me like, oh god, I don't even know what to do with her. Let's just let's just let her through. I, we need to just kind of think back at that story, and I can't even believe it happened. We need to scoot around through, right? It's not one that I always, I, I mean, I just told it on the podcast but i'm mostly in (laughs) awe of the fact that it even happened yeah with like the security especially canada back to america on the way out texas like yeah whatever it's canada (laughs) they're not gonna get us in trouble (laughs) so i'm gonna do a a coaching shout out today but it's actually about something that we're offering i'm so excited about it so usually what we offer is packages like people sign up for like three months six month packages but right now what we're offering is one time coaching topics. Like I'm struggling with difficult conversations. Boom. I want one conversation to help me unpack it and like uh, move forward. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times, I don't know about you, but have you ever talked with a friend and that one conversation like unlocks, like you're like, ah, there it is. Yeah. So we're really offering topic coaching. You can add on a few more if you feel like you need to, Mm -hmm. but really we're offering one coaching session on different topics. Yeah. Because people can get stuck on well, I don't really know how to use coaching. I don't know what to bring to the table. I don't know how to how to do this well. Mm-hmm. And that keeps them from from doing it. But this is nice because it's like, this is the topic you're stuck on. You don't have to come with anything. Yeah. We're going to solve it and you're going to walk away feeling better. For the solution. Yeah. So what about um, oh my personality gosh. grape today? I think okay. you have- I thought about this one because it came up with in a coaching session. It was really interesting. So you know how leaders... Recognition is a part of being a leader, Yeah. right? What I noticed in personality types is that some people gravitate toward recognition and some don't. Yeah, I just wanted so yeah. to call it out that, uh-huh. dif- that, 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 that I think we assume as a leader that 
we have to give recognition and that it is easy for all. Yeah. On the flip side, I also wanted to call out that not everyone likes recognition in the same way. Uh-huh. And I was just thinking about how complicated recognition can become yeah. <laughs> around personalities. Yeah, can we do a shout out to just leaders? Like, Your job is hard. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's hard. right. So, yeah. but but one thing that was really interesting about this one leader was he, he, he was like, Sunday, it is so challenging for me that I procrastinate, procrastinate, procrastinate. So then I have like six, seven, eight, nine, ten recognitions to give. Yeah. Interesting. So of course, what we did was we got to the root of what it is. And of course, it's a little bit of perfectionism. I'm looking mm-hmm. for the perfect words to say. I want the recognition to be the perfect experience. And you know how it is. Perfectionism causes procrastination. Yeah. A lot of that. Yeah. So we came up with some solutions, like some templates. You get it. So, And then we also came up with a rhythm on the calendar. Yeah. But I just thought, I'm so proud of him for just saying this small thing like, gosh, recognition is a part of my job that I'm struggling with. That's great. So let me add to that for business owners, small business owners, even solopreneurs, because I've been finding this recently too. We we work with a lot of people in that space and they don't think of themselves as leaders Uh because either it's a one man show or, you know, they have other collaborators and stuff, but they don't think of themselves as a leader which kind of blew my mind when I started realizing this lately. I'm like, no, you're definitely a leader. Mm-hmm. So they they hear leadership topics like this and think it doesn't apply to them. No, no, no. Even if you're a solopreneur, it's talking to a graphic designer. It's just her and her business. Mm-hmm. Well, she works with 20 clients at a time and their team members. Mm-hmm. She also has people she collaborates with, copywriters and photographers and like, that's your team and you're yeah. leading that whole thing. And so I think we actually dismiss things like recognition then. With, with, if you're not, the, if your title isn't actually leader, I'm the leader right? <laughs> yeah, like yeah. executive. Yeah. Like, whoa. So, um, even helpful to think about in that space. Yeah. Even just taking the time to maybe pause throughout the week one time and think, is there anyone I should recognize? Yeah. It doesn't come as natural to everyone, is what I'm calling out. It's hard. Yeah. Today's guest is Ellen Dave. She is an author and a professor at one of the best business schools. Shout out Northwestern. All right. A co- and she had a TEDx talk. Yes. She was pretty impressive. I had a fantastic conversation mm-hmm. with her. The thing that really stood out to me about our talk today was that we both really love the topic of confidence and empowering people. But she just, I love the way she just took this extra layer around what it is that I talk about confidence. But she was like, in order to move into confidence, it takes courage. Yeah. And she was like, confidence is like the, what did she say? It was like the, it was like the action oh, of like courage. Confidence is the result. Yeah, it was the result. Yes. But courage is kind of the input. Yeah. I loved that. We yeah. had a great conversation around that today. I also appreciate how she shares not only from research and and study but her Mm -hmm. own experience me too and her journey of career path which she shares a little bit she's also had a very non-linear and interesting career path and Mm -hmm. so she's kind of drawn from different experiences of coming into that confidence herself and leading lots of other people what was your very first job well, I won't count babysitting. That's what a lot I, of people say. Right? Yeah, yeah, I won't. I won't count that. Um, I actually worked in a Catholic church rectory where on Saturdays was paid under the table, basically, so no taxes. Then uh, don't tell the IRS. And I <laughs> recorded people's donations from the Sunday before. 
totally boring jobs. (laughs) And um, I recorded what they donated and they would want that later on for tax for their taxes. But it paid really well. It did. (laughs) And you would see everyone around town and just it's like bubbles were popping over their head. (laughs) I know what you gave. Did, no, that's interesting. That is, we have yeah. uh, usually there's a lot of like <laughs> grocery stores. You know what I mean? That's a very interesting one. Thanks. It's, it's an interesting. And the other thing we love to ask people is very quick snippet of your career journey. And the reason we like to ask that is many of our listeners and people who come to us for coaching are as you talked about career pivots, you and I talked about that. There's just all different kinds of career pivots in our life. And they come to us usually because they're in one of those. So we just kind of wanted to hear a little bit about what was your career journey in a nutshell? Sure. So I started in sales in consumer packaged goods, uh, moved into brand management in the same company. And I did that for decades. Mm. And then I moved across industries. uh, So went from basically PepsiCo to Royal Caribbean, so marketing and travel, uh, and then Whirlpool. I then um, was ready to move on from corporate America and uh, ran a a consulting firm where we focused on brand strategy. And I did that for five years as the owners were retiring and selling the company. And that's when I uh, joined my first board. I joined two more boards after that and became a coach. And that's what I thought I wanted to do. And I heard about this women's leadership opportunity at Kellogg. And I joined Kellogg where I went and got my MBA. Um, So I've done that. that I joined seven years ago. And I teach a leadership class where I coach students Mm -hmm. and then run run the programming for, um, for leadership as well for women. Wow. That's so interesting. That's what I'm doing. Yeah. Yeah. So I I have that portfolio career. Well, Um, yeah, I love hearing about it. And that's what we've realized our listeners, the people we coach, they have that nonlinear career path and they feel weird or alone in that. And yet the more we talk to people, we find that's actually pretty common. Do you remember the moment you realized you you said you were ready to move on from corporate America? What Mm. sparked that for you? Um. Well, one, I had a challenging time in a real difficult economy where people started to not buy appliances during the Mm -hmm. banking and housing crisis. Um, And so what I was doing in my last job was cutting a lot of media, unfortunately laying people off, and then my job was eliminated. And um, fortunately, I worked with a coach. And that through the coaching process, I learned, I did something that was really assessing who I am. I took every test there could be, (laughs) who I was, uh, and what was important to us at that stage of life. Um, And I say us because I had, you know, I was married, I had two small children. um, And we, you know, from that made a 10 list, a, a top 10 list of what's important to us. And one of the things on it, the first thing was, I don't want to do stupid stuff anymore. I actually (laughs) wrote that down when you said that to me, because I thought it was just so like you were, you said the real thing. I don't want to do stupid stuff anymore. I love it. Yeah. And I, you know, because I almost like some of brand management earlier in my career. And oddly enough, when you go higher in it, I was aligning people and writing decks and, and I sort of missed some of the things that I used to do. And I was just ready to learn some new things as well. 
Um, so the the coaching experience was so valuable for me. Um, and it, you know, it's why I love your your podcast and the, this idea of finding who you are, you know, what you could be good at, like what's your sweet spot. And mm-hmm. so moving into a small business was something I had never done before, but I got to work on consumer insights, brand strategy, product strategy. Um, and I didn't work. I, we, I, our clients were corporate, you know, Fortune 500 companies, but I didn't have to be in those companies. And I had a wonderful career. I was just sort of ready to move on to, to mm-hmm. other things. And prioritizing what matters at this stage of life was so impactful for me. Mm-hmm. You and I had a discussion about stage of life. And I thought yeah. that was really interesting where we talked about a little bit about how, I mean, you focus mostly on women, correct? Mm-hmm. And how the comparison game can kill us. Absolutely. And that something that gets left out a little bit is the stage of life we're comparing and yet our stages of life aren't even the same. Can you speak to a little of that? Yeah, absolutely. And, and I get the question a lot of for, for someone, you know, getting their MBA or, or undergrad, when should I have a baby? And it's sort of like, how do I answer that? (laughs) It depends. It depends. Um, So I'm someone who had kids in my late thirties that's really different than having kids in your early 20s. Or you might have, uh, you know, uh, parents that you have caregiving issues. So there, we, we come to work as a whole person and all the other things that are going on outside of it impact what matters to us, um, what we're up for. Are we up for an uphill battle on something? Maybe where we're driving change or, or really putting in uh, hours that, um, you know, take us away from other things. And so figuring out where you are and what matters, I think, uh, is really important. And, and in our Instagram world of curated views uh, on LinkedIn too, you know, we compare ourselves and think, oh, other people are so much ahead or they're doing the same things, but they look like they have it all together. Oh, I know. Um, and so often, we don't, you know, everyone's kind of doing the best they can. They might show up on social media or in other ways. We don't, we don't really know what, what's going on with others. So we just got to run our own race. Mm -hmm. We really do. What do you, what do you tell me? What do you tell someone who's really struggling with comparison? Um, I think go back to what, what matters to you, what, what your, um, what your goals are, you know, what do you define success to be? And then um, really critique and validate what what that really is. So so often we have a harsh voice in our heads uh, that, you know, maybe was formed a long time ago, but, but it holds us back. It, it might be there to protect us a little bit from some of the things that come mm-hmm. with risk, but it really prevents us from moving forward. Mm-hmm. And you know, so, and I think it's it's really easy to stack up all the reasons why others are better. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. and we we got to create a disruption to that or, you know, what like what's the counter to that mm-hmm. of what are all the reasons why we're doing what we want to do mm-hmm. or, or, or the things that are our strengths. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, the things that really support getting to what's the sweet spot for us as individuals not for other people. Not for other people. It's so hard to block, to block that. Yeah. 
So with this book, what I wanted to know is when did you start to realize some of these ahas that you noticed about the mirrored door? Like when did you start to pull in some of these observations? And were they observations of yourself or, or, or mostly observations of others? Or was it a little bit of both that made you start to draw in some of this data yeah. that it, you were like, it, I'd it, like to write something about yeah. this? Yeah, it, it was absolutely both. The origin was being, you know, here I come from business career and and go into academia, all excited about the women's leadership program. And I'm at an orientation and a female CEO shares her story. She opens it up for questions and all the hands that went up were men, none Mm -hmm. of the women. And they were about a third of the room. And Mm -hmm. that took me back to my own MBA orientation fewer women in the room, but I didn't raise my hand. I don't think any of us did either. And, um, but yet I knew they were so talented and smart. And so, you know, we were missing what they had to say. Um, And I heard that was happening in the classroom. I saw some studies that was happening in other schools. Mm -hmm. And here, 70% of of, uh, uh, valedictorians are women but it's like six or 7% of the CEOs are women, you know, depending on the week. Wow. Uh, big gap there. And, yeah. And so huge gap. So something happens along the way. And um, I saw it in the research um, of, you know, female scientists holding back their opinion, even when they knew they were right. And mm-hmm. I saw it in myself, you know, to your question here, I had built this successful or, or seemingly successful career and I would get in a boardroom the industry was new to me and I would hold back and observe and not speak up. And you know what? They hired me knowing that, or they elected me knowing that I didn't know the industry, but I could bring an outside perspective. So I saw it throughout careers mm-hmm. and, and I, you know, that really led me into d- digging into where does that come from and what do we do about it? Mm-hmm. Was there something along the way, Alan, in that curiosity that, surprised you as you started digging into that question? I thought that's a great Mm, question. I thought that it would be different by generations. Mm. Um, I, that, that's what so shocked me. I think in the moment that with more opportunity, just much more advancement and more women in the room, that it would be different. Um, and, and that's kind of what led me into, wow, there's a gender thing at play here, mm. too. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, um, Gen Z and millennial women, I think, um, have many more opportunities and go after things and speak up and um, much more than I think my generation did. Um, so so there's advancement, but there's still at this core, oh, I need to be perfect or I need to please others or you know, I identified these five strategies that make us successful, but hold us back too. Um, so, so that was probably the biggest shock, I would say, Steve. Yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah, I would think that too. I know that there are that or there are five strategies that you do you cover in your book, right? Yeah. What are yeah. they? Very quickly, can you just tell yeah. us? Uh, preparing to perfection is the first one. Eagerly pleasing, fitting the mold working pedal to the metal and performing patiently and waiting to be noticed. Oh, yeah. And, you know, yeah. each one makes us successful, 
but they also can hurt us individually or perceptually. Mm -hmm. And we got to pivot in ways that, that help us to counter some of the issues with them. Mm -hmm. Well, I had an office at uh, at a financial, uh, at Capital One actually, and I was a coach for many years there. And one of the things that stood out to me there was they're rated very much on their performance. So, but one of the things we coached them on that, that was that they needed to be equal in their performance, their brand, and their network. And why that always stood out to people. And then that's what you equal. And what you're saying with that last, the fifth one that stands out to me is I had so many, especially women, come in who were like, I am the silent, amazing performer. I do it all. I do it all. I mean, I outperform everybody. And overlooked for promotion every time. Overlooked, overlooked, yeah. overlooked. And it was often because those two other pieces, no one knew of their work. So that's a whole thing to learn how to talk about. Mm-hmm. And then who do, who are who to, to expand their network on like how how to. <laughs> and so that one really gets people. I think that that's such a misconception for many people is that they they're the hardest working person in the room. That that will be the thing that brings them the promotion. It's such a disappointment when people realize that that's not the only piece of the formula. Yeah, that, that's why I'm so taken with the success in academia. And then you get into the workplace and there's a lot of gray areas. And yeah. so often women especially think self-promotion is so icky. I and I just think it's career planning. Yeah. Mm. And, and you know what? Your boss and the leadership, they want to know what you want and you've got to mm-hmm. be more visible. Don't you love it? See, just how you reframed it. When you reframe that to women, does that help them? When you it reframe does. it that way? Yeah, it's sort of, it's collaborative career planning. Yeah. So, you know, if if you can see it that way, how might you act differently? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, the, what, what actions would you take? Excuse mm-hmm. me. No, no worries at all. I was thinking about one of the biggest reframing things I do there too is when I am talking to people about how to talk about themselves, they also feel that very braggadocious thing. And I, yeah. I always say, tell people, no, imagine that you're sitting across the table from someone and they just don't know who you are. And you're just saying, this is, I'm just telling you who I am. That's I it. That. I'm just saying, this is who I am. And it's funny how that will also make people go, oh yeah, <laughs> they're not going to know unless I tell you who I am. <laughs> and somehow we think that people are going to silently just know these things about us. Yeah. They- they're busy. <laughs> so they're not notice. You know. Everyone's so busy. They're, they're not going to notice. And I, and I know from managing lots of people over the years, I would have so many men come in and ask me about promotions and raises mm-hmm. and good for them. Mm-hmm. But we got to learn how to do that too. Mm-hmm. I, I might be throwing you off here. I'd be curious because sometimes I can't think of things off the fly. So ignore me if, but is there a piece of bad advice that you feel like a lot of women have been told? A piece of bad advice. Uh, I think it's kind of that, you know, I, I believe in some ways in dress the part, but I think that it leads to look perfect. Oh, okay. And, um, look perfect and look like everyone else. Mm -hmm. And I think there's more opportunity to, um, to, you know, you want to fit the mold to some degree, but I think the molds have to expand uh, or break. 
And and so the more um, we can tap into our courage to uh, to be who we are a bit more and to bring in um, our style. I wear red a lot because I was told not to years years ago. And I don't think that happens now, but there's other aspects of our identity that either we're told directly or we get mm-hmm. signals that we need to hide. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, if you're up for mm-hmm. it and can tap into that, that that's mm-hmm. how we can change the workplace too. I used to, so I'm older now, so I don't wear heels as much just because my feet are killing me. But, me too. <laughs> yeah, you too. But I used to wear heels all the time and I'm six, about six foot tall. And I used to do it also because I was like, darn it. I, <laughs> I still can, even though I'm yeah. very tall, it just, uh, I didn't like that sometimes people would make me feel like I shouldn't just because I was yeah. I was tall, right? It was a little bit of that red thing there. And yeah. uh, what do you think is a piece of advice that really motivates a lot of the women you work with? Um, I think that so often they are coming to me for confidence. And I believe confidence is the outcome and that what they need is the courage. And they likely already have it. If, if I ask any woman or man, uh, whatever gender, you know, what did you do that was courageous? You've done things that have courage, are courageous. You're here in this school or whatever that is. And so tapping into courage and that courage is the prerequisite and confidence is the outcome. Mm. I love it, Steve. When I talked to her, because we were both we both loved talking on confidence. Mm-hmm. I loved that you added that layer of courage. Yeah, it does. It takes courage. It, there's so many things that take courage, but it takes courage to step into confidence. It was like yeah. an, it added another layer for me as well. Yeah, there's something about it that adds a depth that is helpful. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm very curious your take on this, Ellen, because. I've I've had a number of conversations with people where the struggle is, so how do I step into speaking up more or confidence or showing up in a in a given situation without overdoing it the other direction? Because there can be that pendulum swing of, oh, okay, so instead of being silent, I'm going to yeah. speak up and be bull in a china shop. And then it has <laughs> negative effects of its own. And what's how to balance that well? is seems like a a challenge for people well i have a little bit of a pushback on that yeah i think for someone who really needs to speak up more there's probably no chance they're going to overdo it it is my belief but i go back to one of your episodes where you talk about um posted or you call them sticky notes um, of like i'm going to speak up or maybe I'm going to share the mic or whatever would be on your sticky note. I I think there is a, so if I really believed that I need to, I'm someone who speaks up, what action would I take? Mm -hmm. So like tying it from like the mindset to what's the action Mm -hmm. and what's the, um, it's like the uh, atomic habits, like create the identity to that. And so so I'm someone who needs to speak up more. I mean, now I do a lot more, <laughs> maybe too much. Um, but, you know, I, I need to speak up more. And so I will go into a meeting where I'm new and I'm more likely to be that observer and say, I am going to be one of the first ones to speak. 
I'm going to, you know, I'll even, you know, if I have a pad of paper or something, I'm going to be like, I'm going to talk three times in this meeting. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. so it's like getting a little objective for yourself. Yeah, it's you know? in- interesting when I was hearing also your question on that, Steve. I think that often what I hear people say is they're afraid that they're going to yes. come across as that way. And it's like, in what years? There's like no there's way. There's like no way. There's like no way that they're going to come across. But it's funny, in their mind, they think the smallest move is making them look so aggressive. Yeah. I also, I do a lot of communications and physical skills coaching. I get that one on voice when I'll push people to like push their voices a little louder. I'll have these very quiet talkers and I'll push them and they'll they'll go a little bit louder and they'll be like, I feel like I'm shouting. And I'll say to the room, <laughs> yeah. is she is she shouting? And they're like, no, not even close, not even yeah. close. But yeah. in their mind, they're screaming stop running across the street. Like that's what they're feeling. So what they're experiencing versus what's being perceived is, is a whole journey in and of itself. Absolutely. I mean, and I think it's also helpful if you can find an ally on your team or someone that goes to some of the same meetings to just do a little check-in. Like, Mm -hmm. was I speaking up too much? Because chances are it's no way, just like yeah. just like in your experience, Sunday. Yeah. Well, I know our time has come to an end. I want to definitely tell our listeners where they can find you. But who who need, who's who's the who's the audience for this book? Uh, this is an audience um, of professional women who aspire for more in their career, and um, it may not be happening. Uh, or, or it's something that they want to go farther or faster than they are right now. Uh, so it's for those women and their allies. Mm, perfect. Sounds great. I look forward to reading it. And why don't you tell our listeners just where they can find you? Sure. So I'm very active on LinkedIn and I also have a website, Ellen Tafe, and that's spelled T A A F F E dot com slash book to find out more about the book. Um, I'm also on Instagram, uh, but LinkedIn, I'm most active. Mm-hmm. And on my site, there's other resources and things like that that you can get. And the book is available across retailers. And we'll make sure that we have these things in our notes for our listeners to be able to find you as well. And you do speaking as well, right? Absolutely. That's right. Yeah, I'm, right now, I'm doing a lot of fireside chats about the book, but then I do um, different kinds of training sessions too. So I'm doing a lot of um, company types of, uh, whether it's women's groups or um, just different training um, across different companies. Mm-hmm. Thank you. You know, um, I was telling uh, Steve, I, when I got done talking to Ellen, I was telling her that you know, I've, for the listeners, I have five kids and the oldest is 27 and the youngest is 11. And so, because I'm like this raising another one, 11, I have a lot of friends in their thirties. And I was like, so I felt like I was like talking to someone who was giving me wisdom when I was talking to Ellen. I really appreciated it. We got to talking a little bit about motherhood and it was nice, but I did want to end with, I really did love when you shared, and I've already shared it with a few people, so I really just love the way you nutshelled the phases of, of motherhood or, or even fatherhood because we have a lot of dads who stay home or, to, or just parenthood, actually, right? Parenthood. And I thought, could you just cover those three? And I thought it was fun the way we discussed the potential oh, sure. fourth. Yeah. Yeah. So um, my 
first the first phase that that first of all my daughters are 21 and 25 um and so my memory of my first phase was that the first several years uh, were very physical um your children need you in physical ways to feed them bathe them um all those kinds of things uh the next phase was logistical which was really about um, carpooling to soccer and, you know, everything else that's going on in their lives. That's where I, I talked about it as how it impacted my job choices too. And that mm-hmm. I really wanted my weekends absolutely free, um, where I can do all those things or the birthday parties and driving carpool where you learn so much about what's going on. And then the next phase is emotional. And I think this starts in middle school, high school, college, and they need less of you as they grow more independent and their friends become more important to, to them. But when they need you, they need you bad and they need you fast. Mm-hmm. So like the flexibility of, you know, getting a text that, you know, I made it on the team to something bad happen at school. Yeah. And you can just tell they want to talk. And And now I'm in the phase that's, I think, kind of coaching yeah, mentoring, we, you know? and I were talking about like this the adulting phase the young adulting is also is still they're, they're not totally out yet but there's yeah. you're still there but it is we were like what's the word <laughs> yeah, coaching yeah. sounds good yeah it is it's like yeah, coaching because yeah. it's because you know how coaching Steve is like like you do a lot of the asking versus telling because we were also talking about like if you try to tell them yeah. they're like nope <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Well, well, and and you want to not be. I, I'll say to one of my daughters, I won't reveal who. I'm not Google. Like I would just Google that. <laughs> you know <laughs> the things that that right. they ask. Yeah. You know, it's sort of mm-hmm. like you should Google it. Yeah. So so I've shifted into asking more than telling. Yeah, for, for sure. sure. Well, I just wanted to close with those. I just really loved oh, the way you. that you shared those with me. So for anyone who just wanted to hear those, and thank you so much for for um, chatting with us and finding us. And I look forward to your book being released. And thanks for the Thank wisdom. You. It was Thank great you. to meet I, you. Yes. And I really enjoyed both conversations. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Have a great day. Thank you.